A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Well, there's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God, he's in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in his son. Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 317. That's all. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. And right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name. Get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king Who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples But we take what he's created and we turn him into idols I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM Yeah, spirit and truth is worship viewed in this chemistry But, but some are spewing distorted views of the Trinity Hey everybody, welcome to episode 17 of The Master's Dog. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. Master's Dog is a podcast that I do um, defending doctrine, theology against false teachers and so on. <clears throat> it originated with what we're going to look at today, which is the what they were, the three Mormons, now saints unscripted. Apparently now Mormonism, it, the word Mormon is acceptable again. So maybe they'll go back to being three Mormons. Who knows? Um, but <clears throat> when they, <coughs> excuse me, when they switched over to being saints unscripted, they also started a new section of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs, which they started going through the seven or seven, 13 articles of faith. And so I responded to each one of those and then just continued to respond as they continue to make videos. And as long as Faith and Beliefs, the Saints Unscripted makes their Faith and Beliefs portion of their podcast, I will respond to every one of those videos and also beyond that, uh, 
any other false teachers and so on. So initially it was titled Faith and Beliefs Refuted. Now it is The Master's Dog. So with that, we are going to look at the most recent uh, video that Saints Unscripted put out, Faith and Beliefs, uh, about the Great Apostasy. So now David is going to explain to us what they believe the apostasy is. Now again, I'm not here to argue whether or not this is what the Mormons believe. He says this is what they believe. Great, this is what they believe. Now, if it's something that has changed since I was LDS, I'm going to call that out. If it is, uh, and then I'm going to explain how these things do not line up with uh, biblical Christianity. So, with that being said, we are going to go ahead and open up and let David explain to us the great apostasy. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, believe that after Christ was killed, the church he established fell away from many of his teachings. Because of the wickedness of the people, the authority of the priesthood was lost, many of Christ's doctrines were corrupted, and for ages the fire of the gospel was reduced to a few glowing embers. That is, until the 1800s when we believe Jesus Christ once again started to restore that which was lost. But the question on everyone's mind is, was there actually an apostasy? Could that even have been possible? Let's dive in. Before we really get into this, I want to clear up three misconceptions about the Great Apostasy that both non-members and members of our church sometimes believe. First, the apostasy didn't happen overnight. It happened gradually over hundreds of years. Second, the apostasy didn't end overnight either. And third, we do not believe that everyone living during the apostasy was evil and uninspired. It wasn't all bad. The line of priesthood authority was broken, but mankind was not left in total darkness or completely without revelation or inspiration. There was still truth and goodness available, but Latter-day Saints do believe that key doctrines were changed or lost from the church completely. The nature of God, eternal marriage, essential ordinances, and of course, priesthood authority, among other things, all needed to be restored. Now, many people believe that there couldn't have been an apostasy because if there was, it would mean that Christ failed. Many people surely felt the same way about Christ's crucifixion. Their savior, their great leader, their prophet was arrested and publicly executed. But Christians know Christ didn't fail. Yes, he was killed, but three days later he took his physical body back and was resurrected. If Christ's physical body can die and be resurrected, I don't find it hard to believe that the spiritual body of Christ, the church, fell away and was later restored as well. Okay, so here's a couple of things we need to um, deal with in that statement. One, the, the issue of whether or not Christ failed isn't necessarily that he failed. Because again, with the crucifixion and resurrection, these are things that he predicted. And he also said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. He said he was going to establish his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Now, if there were an apostasy and we're looking at apostasy is exactly what that would be, especially to call it a great apostasy, to say that there's a little bit of truth left over. So that means it's OK. That's disingenuous. If it is an apostasy, apostasy is the loss of truth. That would be and especially the great apostasy would mean all truth is gone. It's all lost. And I mean, which would require a restoration. 
there. Well, I'll get into a couple of different points here in a minute, but if the gates of hell prevailed against his church or anything prevailed against the church of Christ and the church that he established at that moment when he was talking to, um, well, that he established while he was here and specifically when he was talking to Peter and he said to Peter, he said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. It is not um, man who has revealed it to you, but my father who is heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I shall build my church. Now it is not the rock of personal revelation, which is what Mormons believe uh, that the revelation of the father is what the rock upon which, upon which the church was built. The Catholics believe it was Peter. The rock upon which the church was built is that Peter knew who Christ was and Christ knew him. I tell you that you are Peter. And this is, this is, uh, verified and this, this, uh, belief and claim is bolstered when Jesus uh, talks about in Matthew, he says that, that on that day, there will be those who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And he, I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so here is the foundation of Christianity. It is not just us knowing the, the issues and the truth. It's that Jesus knows us, that he has drawn us that he has saved us and that he has given us that that new identity in him you know he he shows it with with peter by changing his name he changes his name from simon to peter he shows it in that and so this is the key element to the the gospel and the church upon the the Christ established, and it was not upon specifically doctrines or anything like that. I mean, there are doctrines that are core to what is true Christianity, but this is not what Christ built it on. It wasn't an organization or a structure or any of these things. It was simply that fact that that we knew Him and He knew us. It was repentance and regeneration and becoming a new creation and becoming born again. That was what the, that where the church was built. And so to say that there was an apostasy when Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against my church, that would be where Jesus failed, is in the prophecy of that which would make it a false prophecy, which would make him a false prophet and a false Christ, and not who he claimed to be. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And he meant it, and I believe that. Well, let's back up a bit. First of all, our God is a God of order, and there was organization to his church. Christ was at the head, followed by a quorum of 12 apostles. When the apostle Judas died, they replaced him with Matthias, maintaining the group of 12. But even though apostles were later dropping like flies, no new apostles are called to the quorum, probably because they couldn't exactly send out a group text saying, hey, I'm about to be beheaded, start looking at resumes. There are a couple of people, like Paul, who is sort of an honorary apostle, but not one of the twelve. <laughs> so one of the foundations of Christ's church was dissolving. But the apostles weren't going down without a fight. The second half of the New Testament shows us very clearly that the apostles were trying to correct the false teachings that were starting to seep into the church. In 2 Timothy, as Paul is in prison in Rome... Now, again, he he says Paul is... is i got to back up. 
I hate doing this, but I've got to back up to what he says about Paul. One of the twelve. <laughs> that Paul wasn't one, one of the, of the twelve. That he was an apostle, but not dissolving. one of the twelve. But the apostle. So here in here's the problem. If the organization is twelve apostles, now there are thirteen. Now there are thirteen apostles. Why? You're you're changing the 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 dynamic. Why is it now thirteen? And so again, you're you're talking about these essential organizations, um, or did somebody take Christ's place as the president? That would be. But you're not giving us this. You're not telling us any of this. And then of course, yes, as apostles were dying, but they knew. Other apostles knew. It wasn't like you know that they just wow, well, you know. 10 years later and hey whatever happened to john or whatever happened to james or what happened to these people um they knew and i think they would have been if this were the case they would have maintained christ's organization and continued to add apostles but this is what we know of as an apostle someone who witnessed christ someone who saw him someone who was with him and Paul indicates that he was one abnormally born. He was one that his encounter with Christ was different than the others. And so that was what was an apostle. That was what was a called out one. And that office went away with the original 12. And Paul, it went away with them. So there, again, they had their disciples and so on. But the apostles, the 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 called out ones, the sent out ones, the ones who were uh, set apart because of who they were and their their connection to Christ, that ended. It's not an apostasy. It wasn't that this was required to be. Just that position was no longer necessary. That office of apostle, there is still gifts, and there are those who are uh, gifted as as an apostle as and I would uh, relate that to be a missionary but we are no longer looking at those who are actual apostles and so those who you know we we look at um, in the new apostolic reformation and so on and we look at these people and their false uh, false apostles in their claims apostles weren't going down without a fight the second half of the New Testament shows us very clearly that the apostles were trying to correct the false teachings that were starting to seep into the church. In 2 Timothy, as Paul is in prison in Rome waiting to be executed, he writes, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. He talks about people who are overthrowing the faith of some with false doctrines. He prophesies, For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. To the saints in Ephesus he said, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. To the Galatians he wrote, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Jude recognized that the gospel was being distorted. Pause this video and read what he wrote. Okay, let's pause the video and read what he wrote. 
Let's take a look. It was needful for me to write these things unto you to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men who crept in unawares, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Later he writes, But beloved, remember the words that were spoken before the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lust, though these be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. Um, so again, and then there's some comparisons, little children. This is the last time you've heard that the Antichrist shall come. They went out from us. Okay, so again, he's indicating that there are false teachers and so on, but and, and that's not a problem. But one of the things he says is that the apostles are trying to correct the false teachings that are coming in. But notice none of the teachings that they are trying to correct coincide with what the Mormons teach. A gospel of works, a progression to godhood, a, um, a non-Trinitarian, a, um, a God before God, eternal marriage even. None of these things that they indicated were the important things that needed to be restored are found in the scriptural defenses of the apostles. None of them. None of them are there. So all of the things that he says needed to be restored because they went away, you don't find the apostles trying to defend those things. So they were never there to begin with. All of those teachings that were supposedly restored are uh, false doctrines and false gospels initiated by Joseph Smith or false aspects of a gospel of a false gospel created by Joseph Smith. In Revelation, the Apostle John reveals stark warnings to most of the seven churches as apostasy starts to break them apart. Make sure you pause to read this quote by Kent Jackson. I don't know who Kent Jackson is, but of the seven churches, only two were not condemned, and one of those was to suffer martyrdom. One church was ready to die because of its sins. Another was to be spit out of God's mouth. Of the rest, all were guilty of serious error, and each was not. Each was told in strong terms that if it did not repent, it would be rejected. But there's no indication that they were. there. I mean, we assume that these churches, when they received those, uh, would repent. And, and return their faith to Christ. But again, nowhere in any of those things do we see a defense of core Mormon doctrine. We don't. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's one thing to, to warn of false teachers coming in among them. It's another thing completely to say that the entire truth of the gospel and so on was lost. I mean... We, he talks about the, the loss of the authority of the priesthood, and maybe he hasn't gotten there there, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But the priesthood was done away with because of Christ, because there was no longer a need for a priest. We now had a great high priest who had interceded on our behalf, who had done everything that needed to be done, and was himself the sacrifice once and for all. For the sins of mankind. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Something no high priest had ever done before. Indicating there's no longer a need for the priesthood. Because Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Unchangeable, untransferable, forever and ever. This is the only priest we will ever need again. 
and that is Christ. And yes, we 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 see in in the Bible when where it talks about you know a, a holy priesthood that we all are are given. That's an inheritance with Christ. That is in in conjunction to our 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 priesthood in um, with Him, not necessarily a a priesthood in the order that that the Aaronic and and so on priesthood was. And the scriptures just go on and on and on with prophecies about impending apostasy and examples of it. And then the scripture It's not impending apostasy, it's impending false teachers. It's warning against those who would come in. Those who I would who would say to you are men like Joseph Smith. Again, if any of you comes with a even an angel preaching a gospel other than the gospel that we taught to you, taught to you, let them be anathema is what Paul says. And Joseph Smith exonerated exemplified that to a T. I mean, he came with a false gospel that he got from supposedly from an angel. And and initially in the initial description uh, in the doctrine and covenants or the history of the church or, or so on was described specifically as an angel of light, which Bible says Satan disguises himself as. Scriptures end, and we have to look beyond the scriptures into history to learn what happened after the age of the apostles. I'm going to botch these names, but Hegesippus, an early church chronicler, is quoted by Eusebius as saying, When the sacred choir of apostles became extinct and the generation of those that had been privileged to hear their inspired wisdom had passed away, then also the combinations of impious error arose by the fraud and delusions of false teachers. These also, as there were none of the apostles left, henceforth attempted without shame to preach their false doctrine against the gospel of truth. And this analysis is expanded upon by later historians. Pause and read what they had to say. For over 300 years, Christians were pressured by outside pagan and Jewish persecution to leave their faith, while the influences of Greek philosophy and pagan and Gnostic beliefs warped Christianity from within. Doctrines that we respectfully disagree with, such as infant baptism, non-immersive baptism, transubstantiation, traditional Trinitarianism, and a universal priesthood, are all examples of teachings we believe were not elements of Christ's original church. But again, that's not to say that all truth was gone. There were many wonderful Christians that lived throughout the apostasy. Of, of all of those that he mentioned, infant baptism, the majority of, of Christianity would also disagree with them. The the where he, the one that he, he hit that is the key is... Um, the Trinity, that is absolutely laid out in Scripture. It is unmistakable. It is there that the Father is considered God, Jesus is considered God, the Holy Spirit is considered God, and the Word of God is explicit in the fact that there is only one God. That Trinity is it, it is implied throughout Scripture. So that would be the only one that he mentions that that is foundational to Christianity. All those others are are secondary issues and nothing that we would would argue over. I mean, I don't have an issue with my uh, Pado Baptist brothers. I think they're wrong, but and those who sprinkle. I mean, okay, uh, there are times when if I go into the the jail and a guy wants to be baptized and he wants to be baptized right there, I, I have nothing to dunk him with, but I can dump some water on his head and. 
again, it is the, um, we, if we believe that the baptism should be by immersion, but, but Jesus was baptized for those who could not be. And I don't think, I think that the, I hate to say it's a thought that counts because that sounds so cliche, but it is the heart of the matter. It is the salvation is already there. However, how we baptize, I mean, I think it's important, but the thief was never baptized. And so there there's indications that baptism is not required for salvation. Who did the best they could with what they had. All truth is gospel, and there was still a lot of truth for which we should all be eternally grateful. But what really defines this time as an apostasy was the loss of priesthood authority. Now that's not to say that nobody on earth had the priesthood, but rather that eventually nobody on earth was authorized to use that priesthood to officiate in the church and its essential ordinances, such as baptism. Now if you're Catholic, you'll hear that and think, now wait a minute, Catholicism can trace its priesthood line all the way back to Peter. It was never lost. And I totally respect that belief, but we believe that the prophecies of Paul and other prophets, together with the corruption of key doctrines, ordinances, and organization, is evidence that the priesthood was either not passed down or was revoked somewhere fairly early on down the line. The popular Protestant belief is that of a universal priesthood, which I talk about in this episode. Latter-day Saints are unique in that we believe priesthood authority was lost and then restored to the prophet Joseph Smith in the early 1800s. That was a ton of information crammed into one short video, so check out the links in the description for more information on this topic, and have a great day. Was there... Okay, so, with that, again, the whole issue of the priesthood and whether or not it was lost. He, he just went through a, like painstakingly to go, well, we can't say it's a, it was absolutely gone, but nobody was able to exercise it. Well, it, well, either it was gone or it wasn't. And so, and again, we look at, we recognize scripturally Hebrews and all over in the New Testament, we see the fact that Jesus made the final sacrifice once and for all to pay the penalty for sin. There was no longer a need for a priest. We have one high priest. We have one mediator between God and man, and that is is Christ Jesus. And so there's no need for a priesthood. And, and again, looking at what is a royal priesthood or a universal priesthood is just, it is, it's a, it's a priesthood of believers and it is not a, an authoritative kind of what the Mormons recognize as a priesthood. It, it's not like what the Aaronic priesthood was. That's not a, an issue of ritual and so on. It is, it's ultimately an, a, a identifying with Christ. Um, is what that priesthood is. So there is is that. So again, there's the Mormons' explanation for the apostasy and so on. And I am here to agree with the words of Christ that that the gates of hell never prevail against His church. His church has been here, um, solidly growing. And moving forward, the kingdom has continued to grow from the time of Christ till now. Um, it was never done away with there. And yes, there are many false religions and many false um, doctrines that have come in and snuck their way in and have deceived many. One of which is Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, all those things. Even still today, there are false doctrines and false uh, 
gospels and false Christs and false gods that are coming and trying to lure people away from the truth that never went away. And that truth is the gospel that Jesus died and paid the penalty for sin, that if we will repent and put our faith and our trust in him, and he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that is why, as always, we have to preach the gospel and we have to use words because they absolutely are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.